Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Tonight, we're honoring and celebrating sister poets, talented, creative women, writers, and performers. So on tonight's show, we'll hear from Reina J. Leon, Ph.D., a black and Afro-Borican Philadelphian educator, writer, coach, who lived for many years in the Cochenio Ohlone territory of Berkeley, and our very own graduate of the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program, Ananda Esteva, poet, writer, and teacher. And finally, we again celebrate and honor another graduate writer and poet of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, Zakia G.E. Capehart Bowling, author of Ghana on My Mind, a reflective collection of poetry and prose about her trip to Ghana. We are your hosts tonight, Miss M and Joy Moore. Keep it locked right here, KPFA. 94.1 FM or online at kpfa.org. Again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. We're your hosts tonight, Miss M and Joy Moore. Our first guest is Rena J. Leon, PhD a black and Afro-Borican Philadelphian who lived for many years in the Cochenia Ohlone territory of Berkeley. She's a mother, daughter, sister, madrina, comadre, partner, poet, writer, teacher, educator. She believes in collective action and community work, the profound power of holding space for the telling of stories, and the liberatory practice of humanizing education. She seeks out communities of care and craft and is a member of the Carolina African American Writers Collective. Her first collection of poetry was a finalist for both the Cave Canem First Book Poetry Prize and the Andres Montoya Poetry Prize. Her second book, Boogie Mandan, was a finalist for the Naomi Long Magic Prize. Welcome, Reina. Welcome. Thank you for joining us, Reina. Well, and you can probably hear my son in the background offering his contributions to life. <laughs> Perfect. That's what it is. And you know, wherever we are, we also have to recognize that there are a lot of people in the background holding us and allowing us to be present with one another. And sometimes there's, you know, there are different parts of life in the background. Yes. And those are predominantly women's roles and duties. And I'm not calling it a background. That's the foundation. That's true. That's true. And I, I you know, I, I give so much um, love to my partner who's up supporting my son and my daughter and my mom who's supporting them. 
And um, my mom is actually coming in from out of town to support me with a number of different work tasks, but this piece around women's work, you know, to to um, connect with, to reference Maxwell, women's work, right, is, is all about community work too. Yeah, uh, and women's work is about life, can I tell you? Yeah, it's sure. about feeding, it's about healing, it's about consoling, it's about being there, it's about taking the weight if nobody else will. Mm-hmm. And how do I know? Tell me. We give birth to the next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have partners, we have help, don't get me wrong, but there ain't no there ain't no next without us, period. For sure. Well, and I've been thinking a lot about water and the transition from one generation to the next and the movement of water, of river water to ocean water and how we are all connected and the reality that much of our bodies is water too. And that water is this conduit of memory. So how a mother offers to future generations her memory, her lived experience, her bounty, her joy, her abundance in this transference of, of water from one place to another, from one body to another. And that's that's Tony Morrison as well. Like he talks about that in this essay called The Sight of Memory, where she says that all water has a perfect memory and it's forever trying to get to back where it was. But this piece around like the generational legacy and promise and connection. Yes, that is that is the work of, of mothering. I love it. All right, let's hear from you. Let's hear it. Let's hear that river. Let's hear <laughs> it ever flowing. Yes, yeah, so I will offer you a few poems. When I think about this passage from one generation to another, I think about ancestry as well as descendancy. So, and I've been passionately doing work in ancestral research as a way of healing, as a way of recovery of names, as my own dedication to a reparations practice. So I'm going to call some of those names as a transition into the work that I'll read. So I call the names I know. I call them as my own name because their water has traveled into the vessel of me. Their water is mine. My water is theirs. I am remembering my own body, my own righteous mind. I am Norma, Queen Esther, and Sarah, and Eliza, and Lizzie, and Lydia, and Josiah, and Louisa, and Alexander, and Amy, and Isham and Amanda. I am Teresa and Felix and Cornelia, Eddie and Juanita and Angelina and Venancia, Candido Concepcion, Venancia, Laureano, Marcelino, Juana Maria, Petrona, Maria Petrona. I am all of these people whose names I am recovering. I'm recovering their names. This poem is, this first poem is written for Theophilus, who is a um, a long ago ancestor, many, many times, great grandfather. And I've um, discovered the record of his selling of one of my great, 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 um, many times great grandmothers. Theophilus, they wrote books of you, lover of God. So wide your eye and stout your pen. You planted your seed all throughout the Carolinas and across the waters in Santo Domingo before the darkness rose in the bodies you fondled like jewels. You raised your children in swelter, 
call them names like Fawn and Thorn, Maria del Carmen, Maria Antonia, Ana Maria, Blessed Mother, their wombs, the records say you lost everything in someone else's freedom, except the eight you stole. Again, to plant in a saintly founding city, oh, Saint Augustine, who was African? Cathedrals rise above cages built in the bones. From you, a son who named a son, lover of God too, the one who sold her, Emelina. Emelina, they say, the family did witchcraft, learned the ways of black gods and loved them to scarring. Emelina, did your people come from the land sutured by salt? You were sold for $800 with your two children. To who would become an uncle? of mine down a long river to you. His great-grandson raped God. It can be said no other way, no way to say love when you were solid like a rock, carved to bleed a burden, a body, a passive silver. To whom does one confess this crime against God and meaning? Theophilus, more correctly translated as eater of God's flesh. So this next poem, is called The Only Color. It's for my son. Verde, 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 every color is verde. And I think on Federico Garcia Lorca, how in I read this poem to him days old, his whole body less than six pounds on my chest. And now he stands a wild octopus boy on a chair reaching for the markers to draw one of the cars. He says, I always drive. Verde. Verde, he says, though the uncapped tool streams orange, and his father says, he knows what the best color is. I say naranja. He has to know his colors and go into a diatribe about school, not being behind. It is not about school. He is my son. And so the box waits, a check mark of abuses woven into his identity. Will he ever be able to just be the creative child who says verde, verde, verde for all the colors? and is glorified for how his mind stretches diverging. My husband does not know that the box can be a casket, and each day we must fight for it not to be a mod, ran on a street lined with green leaves. Lorca wrote a poem. They shot him too. So bright. I just want my son to know his colors and live. And a poem for my daughter, my son is two and a half. My daughter is 10 months. Child, I am old and have learned so many rules of what and how to taste. How manufactured foam on a lightly poached egg defines the tongue, while sea sputal twists it to poison. And though gold clogs the intestines to stillness and cements there even in tiny flecks, their glitter going down, they say is like capturing the sun and is better than the day star's momentary grace on studded palette, unfolded to sky as if to devour all light. Child, what would you teach me about gluttony? It swirls like a water vortex in my throat. Would you see your mother a lost pirate in the sea of earthly delights? My fingers grubbed over in grass, bulled dirt and crumbled leaves. Tell me, child, what is the chemical composition of decay? that you taste the slow gift of the rising tree, whose name is hidden in brown detritus, 
child, tell me about this second meal. So soon after the grit of the sandbox and just before the dessert of your own spit as you suck your fingers, Gerida described how death ribbons in your mouth and offers you a new pucker and a distinct scrunch to your face. Is this how your first wrinkle of consternation forms? And when I die, will the leaves I eat taste like these? I disparage now thinking them less fine on a menu you sample of garden. Will my own earth be sweet as I rise to meet them? And I think this last whole, whole after my first, they said, track marks. As in, he came so fast, he left track marks. Not skid marks, track marks. Within a few weeks, I stopped bleeding a healed highway, clean, black, and rain, skid or attic lane. Who am I? After my second, they said, a small tear, stitch or silver nitrate. I chose the chemical. It didn't burn. A newborn, a kind of balm. Weeks again. A highway again, this time pitted and raw I become. I know exactly where the tear is, I say. Pandemic. No one will examine me. My body is always contagion. The midwife gives me a recommendation for a doctor who will pat my hand. There, there. There, there. There's no pain now, right? And also not examine the spot. The first time, I am seen, it is a physical therapist, amazed at ambulatory dysfunction. You have a wound, she says. Very slight, you need more silver nitrate to heal the skin. That's why you have such pain. And then three more weeks to be seen. An appointment almost canceled. I beg to tears over a tear. And when I arrive, my medical records are perused. They're there. There, there, she looks hesitantly and sees a wound at touch bleeds a river on a Q-tip. You still have a tear. The wound isn't healing. We can try this again, but if it doesn't work, we will have to revise it, which means cut a skin sliver wider and deeper while I dream my death and sew me tight like a first time. When I tell my husband, he mourns the loss of my body and said, when I left the doctor, I said, nice to meet you. Thanks for burning me. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this poem. Thank you, Reina. I'd like to ask you, when did you initially start writing? I started writing when I was very, very little. I have journals even from when I was eight years old and sometimes when people ask me that question and I happen to be in my office I will open the doors of the cabinet right behind my desk and I will show them the 50 or so odd journals that I have from my life. I knew I wanted to be a, a writer but I never really identified as a writer until the first time I really distinctly remember was when I got my first check for a publishing gig and it was for $8. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought myself some some uh, supermarket sushi with my $8 check for my wow. 
And it was a celebration of that moment. <laughs> you know what? Your words and your creativity and your artistry is so powerful. But I have to tell you, the one phrase that is sticking with me, and I have to bring this out, I got to expose this. I was born in 1952, and the first gynecologist or doctor who examined or shared anything about my body, my reproductive, my health or whatever, was not a she. Mm. And your mm. poem points out that by the time you came around to needing that, there was a she. And I think that in and itself was one of the most powerful things I heard in terms of what poetry can hold, words, sharing, experience, and all of that. It was it was lovely. That points out to where we are. And you remember, there was a time when everything was male. Everything. <laughs> everything was male. And so now, just the idea that there are a generation of women who have lived a life where it wasn't that way. I mm-hmm. love it. I love it. The gems of women's creativity were there, but they were hidden. We've always had that creativity. We've always had that ability to be productive in many areas, but for a long time and still a lot today, we were deemed as not qualified or our places were deemed as not to be where the men were in in the lead. But that's changing. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't no such thing as women's work. If a man is doing it, if a human is doing it, it's everybody's work. Well, and, you know, even this, these ideas of, like, what are the gendered tasks, right? So mm-hmm. same thing in, in my household where my partner and I, we, we share our different tasks. And, you know, today we were out in the garden and both of us are digging in the dirt with our with our kids. And, and you know, whether that could be one gendered, like, task or another, for us, it's a family task. We are building right. this um, garden together and delighting mm-hmm. in like the sensation of digging in that dirt and getting all dirty. You know, we do this work communally. And I, I think this is too around um, the, the remnants of the past and what the expectations of women in the past. And I give a lot of credit to those who have came up and were like, no, I, I am different. Like I, we can be far much more than this little box that you're trying to fit us in. And and shouldn't you be different too? Shouldn't we all be more expansive because that's going to lead to a richness for all of us? So I'm 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 loving your work. I'm loving your contribution. I'm loving where we are right now, where we can even have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reina, you started writing at such an early age. How many books do you currently have in publication? I have three full collections of of poetry, um, a chapbook of poetry, as well as a small chapbook of um, essays uh, about mothering that came out. That one came out most recently in 2019 from Alley Cat Books. Have you ever thought about doing an audio book? You know, I have have never thought about that. But are you telling me you like my voice? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're telling you that right now. All right, now I'm going to think about it. <laughs> That's all I need. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. 
I love it. Thank you so much, Raina. Mickey, anything? Yes, we will have links on our website, links to your webpage so that people can get more information and can find your work as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate the conversation, y'all. We appreciate you and joining us and sharing with us and, and telling you absolutely the apprenticeship program is open. Keep your face full circle is open. And anytime you want to share your poetry yourself or anything, whatever, just let us know and we have a space for you. Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. Y'all are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and we are honored by your presence. Thank you so much. I hope y'all have a re great rest of the day. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be right back after this break. Don't try to be, just be. Inhale, exhale, breathe. Don't try to be, just be. Inhale, exhale, breathe. I believe in miracles. I believe in a greater world. I believe in good things. And it starts with me. from society some days it's hard to get a hold inspiration's what it takes and i got enough building faith in community looking past in my heart to see free i be we be free i be we be don't try to be just be inhale exhale breathe don't try to be just be inhale exhale breathe i praise high bow down low i keep it humble cause i'm always on the real yo pass down knowledge and ancestors to the seed i play on freedom flowers rise up so beautifully and they say we cannot succeed i told that we shall not believe is insanity my impression is humanity Welcome back to Full Circle, and we just heard Breathe by Aisha Fukushima. Our next poet, writer, and teacher, Ananda Esteva, born in Santiago, Chile, 
where brewing Civil War caused her family to immigrate to the San Francisco Bay Area while she was still very young. She remembers her early years as living in a fantasy world within a loud and amazing family. As an accomplished writer, poet, and teacher, Ananda is also a very creative, prolific graduate of our KPFA apprenticeship. Welcome, Ananda. Thank you. Glad to be here. What have you brought with us? Yeah, I have a few different poems I want to share with you. And yeah, hope you enjoy them. I'm sure we will. We're ready when you are. Okay. So this first poem is called Que Crees Me Veo Sospechoso. And um, that translates roughly into, guess what? I, I appear suspicious. Que crees? Guess what? He says, uh-oh, I'm thinking, not these words again. Que paso? I ask. Our dialogue is like a kid's song with a scripted call and response. Que paso, mi amor? Me paró la policía. The police pulled me over. Otra vez? Again? But baby, you just went to pick up some milk. You just went to get some caulking. You just went to do one thing down the road from the house. Si, pero, he shrugs his shoulders and smiles. Así es. That's how it goes. He says, sweeping his hands across his head. Donde estuviste? Where were you? At the stoplight, down the street, at the liquor store, in the parking lot of Target, Home Depot. It happens mostly in the parking lot of Home Depot. They know him by name, the police. Hey, Jorge, how's it going, my man? This becomes our son. Baby, baby, ¿qué pasó? ¿Por qué tardaste tanto de la store? Me paró, me paró, me paró la policía desde aquí hasta allá, desde los brazos de la pela. Otra vez, sí, mi amor. Desde hoy hasta la eternidad. I know racial profiling is real and I'm down with the lives that matter, but somehow I can't stop myself asking the same question. Why? ¿Qué hiciste? What did you do? Pues nada, nothing. Que me vea sospechoso. I looked suspicious to them. Like the Scarnales song, Sospechoso. Sitting in the car, driving too slow, turning too fast, sitting too long at the stop sign, not belonging. Uh-huh. Back in the lot, did you signal when you turn, baby? Maybe, maybe not. I know. In the long term, this is going to mess up our relationship, our sweet panal de miel of a love. But I can't help saying, but baby, you know that ICE controls the police here and that one forgotten signal becomes jail time, becomes deportation. He's already a criminal for walking here from El Salvador. Doesn't matter that we're married. That's how it goes now. One bad move could mean they rip him away from me, from my daughter. I'm always waiting, eyebrows up. My ears cocked high, waiting for the night they take him. Sometimes I wonder if our sazón is too good to be true. My friend says that ICE is the new Gestapo. Que crees, que crees, que crees, he asks, and here we go again. This becomes our song. Baby, baby, que paso, por que tardaste tanto de la store? Me paró, me paró, me paró la policía desde aquí hasta allá, desde los brazos de la pela. Otra vez, sí, señor. Desde hoy hasta la eternidad. It's like Groundhog Day, no exit. We're stuck in a loop. You know, the next time the police call you to fund their cause, baby, 
You ask for a bumper sticker. Maybe that will stop them from pulling you over. Tell them you won't give them money again till you get that sticker. Maybe, maybe not. Pues, mi amor, ¿qué puedo hacer? Me veo sospechoso en mi forma de caminar. Tal vez mi piel morena o mi forma de hablar. Sospechoso. Sospechoso. Wow, that was absolutely wonderful. Oh, thank you. So creative, Ananda. You've always been as a teacher and as an activist. I love it. I love it. I hope that three different voices came across his mind and then my inner conflicted thoughts about it. <laughs> yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely. It's so good to hear you, Ananda. The last time I saw you, you were in the KBFA performance room with some of the crew from Molotov Mouths. Oh, yeah, um, I think it was the reunion show, maybe? It could be. Can, can you tell us a little bit about Molotov Mouths? Yeah, I'm sure. So <laughs> a few years back, um, uh, the people that are still kind of a part of it, um, myself, James Tracy, uh, Josiah, Luis Alderete, um, Danny Montgomery, Leroy Moore, and also um, a couple others. <laughs> and we um, just kind of like improv. James had all the connections. So he knew people from all over the country, right? And he would just sort of say, hey, you want us to come up and read poetry? for this semi-political event or whatever. And then we just like, okay, made a few plans, popped in, a, rent, rented a car or borrowed a car, just loaded in and just kind of went all over the place. So we went in total on several trips. Um, we went to Portland, Seattle, Eugene, um, Marin County, of, and San Francisco, of course, but we also went to Vancouver, New York, New Jersey, Boston, and some little towns out near Boston. Um, and I think some of the folks did Pennsylvania as well. So yeah, we went all over. Wow. A traveler as well as a poet and a teacher. <laughs> yeah, you know, just pile in, sleep on someone's floor, you know, that kind of thing. It didn't have to be expensive. And then uh, we mostly broke even in the end, you know, selling books and um, sometimes little CDs and little swag and things like that. Sounds Start like a wonderful adventure. Yeah. It was. There definitely were personalities. I was like, okay, but, you know, I think that's part of the experience, right? And, um, and we got to see the world. So that was really neat. And then we, in addition to the touring, like we were at like tons of events all over the place, you know. Um, lots of different places in the mission and political events and parades and, you know, all over punk shows, uh, cumbia shows. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. All right. Did you bring something else to share with us? I know you did. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to do a short one, too, because, you know, it's the radio after all. <laughs> so this one um, is a poem, and this is published in my chat book called Bisco Sours, um, put out by Civil Defense Press. And um, this one is called um, Eating Corn with Claudia. And the subtitle of it is um, Sometimes Magical Realism is Our Reality. Eating corn with Claudia, walking to the Oaktown corner store, 
or trying to snatch us some smokes, trying to get us somewhere. Yeah, when our chit chat get growing like whole beans at dusk, grown so big, they block out the city up to the moon. And lampposts, lampposts sprout leaves and roads relax to red earth and curbs turn to fields waving in the breeze. Yeah, we may gnaw our corn to the bone, but it still go glow yellow and plump in the tips of our fingers. And for a moment, the scent of Mesoamerica lingers in our noses. Oaktown turns to our town when I'm eating corn with Claudia. Oaktown turns to our town. And for once, we feel full. Wow, short but powerful. I love the imagery in that. Yeah, thank you. And you know, I don't know, that's the beauty of walking, I guess. You can really experience like what's around you and really open yourself up to these sort of trippy, you know, experiences. You can observe so much more, you know, and I think that's something that happened to us and the sun was setting just away and everything seemed magical. Yeah, your artistry comes out. It really does come out. I love it. Yeah, thank you. So tell us, tell us, Ananda, what inspired you to start your poetry journey, and and when was that? So I think it kind of started when I was a teenager. My family like yelled and screamed a lot, and I really needed an escape. Um, and I think that I escaped in a lot of different ways. And one of them uh, was the writing. And I, I think in high school was a part of some like literary club, yada, yada. But then um, when I went to college, it was really helpful. I worked with Ishmael Reed and then with um, June Jordan. And um, one thing that like June, one of many things, but one thing that June really supported me with was the idea that my story actually matters. And I didn't ever think of it like that, you know, before all my stuff was all fantasy and kind of trippy, not all of it, but a lot of it. And which is cool too, but I didn't see any value in my life or my experience in it at all. And so that really helped turn that around because she really focuses on like, like poets being their own storytellers, their own ethnographers, getting the word out healing yourself, you know what I mean? And, and so that was really eye-opening and it took, it took a minute for me to really believe her that anything that I could have lived through mattered. But I think that was a, one of the more most important lessons that I've learned in life. So I appreciate that. Thanks, June. <laughs> and thank you, Ananda, for sharing with us. Mm -hmm. Sure. You got another piece? Yeah. This is another oldie, but, but goodie. My dad used to always quote like uh, Garcia Lorca, verde que te quiero verde, you know? And so I heard him say that a lot. So this one is another like healing related poem. It's called, um, doesn't matter what you've lived through, I'll make you verde in my arms. Verde que te quiero verde, green, I want you green. Now, when I say verde, I'm not just talking about the color. And Lorca, the guy who cried these words the first time, he had other things on his mind. Verde, que te quiero verde, verde carne, verde pelo. I want your body green as the last jungle canopy. I want your skin green, your hair. I want 
your touch. Green like a meadow in the springtime. Now, do you know what I mean? Green isn't just a color. It's a way of saying I'm fresh and plump on the vine. And I'm firm. Mr. Noonday's son hasn't beaten me down to a pulp because I won't let him. Now, some people say verde for unripe fruit, but baby, it's our word now. And I'm telling you I'm verde, not because I've been hiding behind a leaf my whole life. When I was 16, I thought I'd seen it all. I let boys do whatever they wanted with my body. I let girls say whatever they wanted about my body. I wasn't verde and I carried them with me. I say I carried them with me in my tired, swollen body. Pero te digo que estoy verde, verde viviente, green like hot summer rain, tearing through your clothes, running down your body. Hot summer rain is verde and you know I'm feeling verde. Now just ease into the verde breeze. It doesn't matter what you've lived through. I'll make you verde in my arms, verde carne, verde piel. Thank you. That was amazing. Absolutely gorgeous. So how, in your role as an instructor, how do you pass on poetry passion, poetry fire? I mean, to be honest, I used to teach poetry a lot. Um, with dusty digital underground storytelling and a couple other places, urban arts. But since I've become a teacher, I'm finding like, it's sort of like my secret that no, like that, that nobody knows I'm not really able to do it much. Recently, the students had a poetry unit that I was supporting and um, I felt really good that I was able to help some young poets um, really kind of develop their work. So occasionally I get these moments where I still get to do that. I'm sort of considering if in the long run I should start teaching poetry again um, because I think that that makes me happy and it, it's more fulfilling. I also was a artist in residence for Poetry for the People and I taught poetry at La Peña and at another community center, which has since closed. Um, so, and at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts back in the day as well. So yeah, I think I need to get back into that. Well, we really, really, first of all, are proud of the fact that we were part of your life as an apprenticeship program. We're proud of the work that you do with your students and your poetry is divine. Can I tell you? You really, oh. really, 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 enhance this evening for us and this segment and this show. And we appreciate it. Well, great. That's my, that's my pleasure. I'm happy to do that. And um, if my work can inspire other people or help them reflect on their lives or help heal in some way, like that's, I'm all about that. You know, if you never know how your words are going to uh, touch the world, you know, once a thing has been said, it cannot be unsaid. And um, ideally we're saying things that are helping people, you know, or something like that. Well, you helped us. <laughs> and as Joy said, we are so, so proud of you and so, so proud that you went through the first voice apprenticeship program and you've, you know, achieved so much. And if people want to find uh, your works, where can they find them? 
Yeah, so um, so I have a, a novel out uh, also called The Wanderings of Chela Corlique, and you can get that through Transgress Press, but you can also get it through all those normal kind of online places like Amazon or through me. <laughs> and um, I can give you my writing email. It's um, escritora.ananda at gmail.com. So that's E-S-C-R-I-T-O-R-A dot ananda at gmail.com. And you can contact me that way. And then um, I have this chapbook, uh, Pisco Sours. And I think at this point, yeah, you probably want to directly contact me. And two of the poems I read, Verde and The Eating Corn with Claudia, are published in this book as well. Yeah. Thank you. A published author, teacher, apprentice graduate, fantastic, phenomenal woman and poetess. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I'm psyched to be here. And you, you guys are inspiring me because you're you're keeping it real. You're doing it. And I think one beautiful thing about being involved in radio, it's just you're always keeping your minds and hearts alive, you know, to the world and not numbing out. You have to. You have to be on the pulse of things, right? So thank you for doing that work keeping that pulse and keeping that voice um, alive for people of color and underrepresented folks here in the Bay Area and beyond. Thank you, Ananda. We're trying. Well, that's all we got, right? right. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) trying. All righty. Thank you. We will see you soon. All right, everyone, you're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and online worldwide all the time at kpfa.org. What a night of celebration and poetry. We just heard from our own Ananda Esteva, a poet, a teacher, and an extraordinary performer. Thank you, Ananda. You can find links to connect with Ananda at kpfaapprentice.org. All right. Our next guest, Zakia G.E. Capehart Bowling, has written a reflective collection of poetry and prose that weaves words, emotion, and images as she recounts her soul-stirring journey to Ghana in 2018. Beautiful, inspiring, and empowering, Ghana on My Mind sweeps readers away on an international journey highlighting the culture, customs, architecture, scenery, and of course, the beautiful and friendly people of Ghana. Zaki is a published poet, storyteller, performance artist, visual artist, and radio producer, and host. Zakia currently resides with her husband, Bryant Bowley, in Oakland, California. Let's hear what she's chosen to share with us tonight. Uh, this poem is a poem that I wrote about my experience on the aircraft traveling to Ghana. It's entitled Ghana, O Ghana, and it's the first poem that I wrote for this book. Traveling by air across the sea, journey of a lifetime, finally coming to be land of my ancestors history awaits unveiling roots opening wounds 
where scars are left to heal. Weaving spirits and touching souls. Ghana, oh Ghana, constantly on my mind. When I arrive, what do I hope to find? Will you be there waiting to welcome and receive me with embracing arms? Will I feel your love running through me until my cup runneth over? Here I sit, staring out at clouds, silently praying, Ghana, oh Ghana, your distant, disconnected family is now returning home to a country once thought of as the land of no return. Please give it up for Zakia G. Capehart. Thank you. So good to be here. My first poem is about my most favorite place in New York City. It's entitled, Brooklyn on My Mind. From the brownstones to the limestones, from the mansions to the magic of all that is Brooklyn. From the quaintness of Brooklyn Heights to the creative flavors of Fort Greene, Clinton Hill, and Bedford-Stuyvesant. From its cafes that prime conscientious artists to its theaters that spew them, Brooklyn, where operas and dance troops come and go where contemporary musicians connect and show their diversity. Brooklyn, where gardens grow marigolds and peppermint, pansies and tarragon, where morning glories scale historical walls swaying to the rhythmic beats of renowned streets. And dew is found on tomatoes and vines before the sunrise dries their weeping eyes. Yes, this is Brooklyn and so much more. Cosmopolitan and suburbia you can't ignore. And when you go to visit Brooklyn, you will see why it's the place I love to be. My next poem is about, uh, well, I'm a walker, a race walker, and one day I noticed that I had an admirer. So I wrote this from the admirer's uh, point of view. It's entitled Sweet Funk. She walks swiftly past my house in the early morn. The thumps of her feet echoes the start of the dawn. I eagerly await her graceful appearance Upon sunrise, from the corner of my eyes, I watch as she enters my street, swinging her slender brown arms in unison to a march, drenched with sweat. A rainbow is over her crown. I imagine a lovely aroma oozing from her regal body, smelling like sweet funk. My door left ajar, 
I hear feet double timing and perfectly choreographed. Vertical body in slight forward lean, shoulders pressed downward, head elongated. I behold her beauty and gazelle-like movement, for she illuminates agility. Her strut is both daring and confident, a queen outperforming her daily exercise regime. I blink and she is out of sight. Tomorrow I will reveal my admirable thoughts, but today I savor the aroma of sweet funk. So this next poem is um, when I started thinking about my admirer. It's entitled, Don't Leave Me This Way. The sun comes up and I renew once more in the bursting, blooming blossoms of a brand new day. I reach for you, longing for your sinewy hands to caress my body. I crave your lips upon mine and the joy of your masculine frame zealously absorbing me into the loin of your physique. Holding on to the broadness of your shoulders, I feel the erectness of what I now crave more than your lips before. The aerobic musk sweat from my brow is dripping, blinding me from seeing the drops upon my bare body. I smell the sea-like salt and taste the fullness of your maleness in each dribble. Soon, I am awakened by the scorching fire that burns in the center of my solar plexus. Momentarily, I am perplexed. My arms void of your presence. I desire you in your absence. Erotically, I squirm, palpating the space you left bare with your departure, leaving my thirst unquenched, my hunger unfed my itch unscratched. Why, why must you taunt me with the newness of this day? Don't leave me this way. Don't leave me this way. Don't leave me this way. Hey, thank you. My last poem, unless I have more time, is entitled Earth's Rebirth. Mother Earth is cradled in the womb of blackness each night to rejuvenate, recharge, rebirth, to be born in the morn of a new day. Predicated, she is impregnated, and the heaviness of her burden expands until the sun sets, exposing her ripeness. The blackness of the universe surrounds and protects her laborious night. Tomorrow, a new day is brought forth. Here, the songbirds rejoice, singing sweet music for awaking. Smell the gentle freshness of the air. See the multicolored glories, beautiful dance. Touch the tree that beckons a loving hug. Taste the moist dew on the leaves, her after birth, the elixir of Mother Earth's rebirth. Thank you so much.
Zakia, give it up for Zakia making this, making me a little sweaty. Wow, what fire. Those last poems from Zakia were performed at a live full circle production at Casa Manana in 2015. Thank you, dear. That was so heartwarming. We wanted to tell you how sorry we are to hear that your mom traveled home on March 9th. Our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family at this time of loss. Yes, we are with you, Zakia. Your apprentice family is here. Thanks again for such beautiful poetry. Now, before we check out for the night, we want to send out a couple of community service announcements. The first is a rally to support our Asian and API sisters and brothers. Saturday, March 27th, is a National Day of Action Against Anti-AAPI Terrorism. You can join a vigil in San Francisco at 11 a.m. at St. Mary's Square. Then at 12 p.m., march from St. Mary's Square to Union Square, where there will be speeches and a martial arts demonstration. Then, on Sunday, there will be a protest march and vigil in Danville. This is to honor the life of Terrell Wilson, who was tragically killed by police in Danville. Folks will meet at Sycamore Park and Ride, located at Sycamore and Camino Ramon. Then march or car caravan to Danville Police Department or Lagonda Way. For more information, check out Together We Stand on Facebook. And of course, we will have a link to both of these events on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. Once again, we'd like to thank the poets who contributed to tonight's show. Right on. Right on. 
brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show for pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show and our guests. And we give them a big shout out. Don't forget to check more of their work on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, a little after the show. The Full Circle team tonight, our host and executive producer, Miss M, and me, Joy Moore, the production consultant, and Free Will and Franklin is our marvelous technical director. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please remember to protect your health and your humanity, and stay tuned to KPFA. La Onda Bajita is next.